Welcome to Teaching That Counts, a podcast dedicated to the teaching and learning of mathematics. We discuss a variety of topics from building thinking classrooms to creating a more equitable math class. I hope that the conversations that I have with my guests help inspire you in your own classroom, school, or district, or if you're a parent like me, with your child's mathematics journey. You can find me via my website, teachingthatcountspodcast.com, or on socials at Teach. Thank you again for joining me, and I hope you enjoy the podcast. Well, I everyone, I got a great episode for you. This is our second episode of season two, and I am just looking forward to this season talking to teachers, talking to students, talking to um, some other experts in the in the educational field, really looking at building teacher and student self-efficacy. And I know that there's there's a ton of research on you know building teacher efficacy and that really has a high, effect size, and really how do we spend time on getting teachers to feel confident in their practice, uh, confident in, in what they're doing to, um, to get students engaged in the mathematics, and then in turn, how does that really get students confident with their own mathematics? Because, you know, we really want students to be confident, confident learners. We want them to be uh, assessment-capable, visible learners, right? That's some, some, you know, tagline words for you there and being able just to think about their own learning reflect on their own learning know where they you know where they are in their learning where they're going and how to get there so in this second episode i am joined by some wonderful teachers in our, in the district i work in uh, some of the best teachers really in our in our high schools here and we have a conversation about we're really we're actually looking at building thinking classrooms again you know, we spent all last year, all the first season, th- talking about building thinking classrooms, looking at the book and going through the chapters, and then discussing as teachers and coaches and some admin that were there, really, you know, how are things going in the classroom as we add in each of these layers of the 14 practices in building thinking classrooms. And so what I've done is I've invited some of those teachers that had started the journey last year and ask them how are things going this year. So we look at how are, um, you know, how's the culture changing in their classroom? How's the relationships with students going? How do they see some really great increases in student engagement in the class? Now, with any new practice or any new thing that you put in, you're going to have some bumps, right? So there are going to be some areas for growth. So we talk about some things that are, you know, that might be that are some struggles right now and how we can maybe think about those struggles and getting through those and really get those students involved especially those that are um that are resistant right and those that are still off task we got it doesn't matter the structure that you use right you if you're using explicit direct instruction if you're using um you know, problem-based learning, if you're doing task-based, if you're doing building thinking classrooms, you have kids on boards, working in collaborative groups, whatever it is, there are kids that are going to need some management. There are procedures that need to be done. And and, and I know that that is a struggle right now, um, but we get to hear from some of the teachers, you know, how is that going? And I'm pretty excited too, in a couple of episodes, I have Grace Dearborn. She is the 
author of several books on classroom management. And so uh, I'm excited to hear her thoughts about how we can do that in a building thinking classroom. So I do want to say that I want to apologize for the um, the microphone issues that we have in this episode. We had some, uh, we were moving around some microphones, and you can kind of hear that in some of the the edit. You know, I tried to do my best in the editing, but um, there's some little bit of microphone issues. I don't think it's that terrible, but you know, I'm the one doing the editing, so of course I'm gonna think it's the worst thing ever. <laughs> so, but it's a uh, if you can handle through it, it's really some great information. The other thing is you get to hear from a computer science and data science teacher, and that teacher has been doing building thinking classrooms in some of their computer science classes. So it's really kind of cool to hear how he brings in you know vertical non-permanent surfaces. We talk a lot about uh, building the culture, relationships with students, and building that culture within the classroom um, and even outside of the classroom. We talk a little bit about intervention and enrichment right now. I know that that's something that we're really trying to, to figure out. So then, you know, how do you spend the time getting kids back on track when they're struggling, right? And um, lastly, you know, as we talk about getting teachers confident, it's good to hear how they're feeling about building thinking classrooms and about what they're doing in their classes and the areas for growth. And one thing that I know that um, some teachers are struggling with, and I and I hear this from several teachers I talk to that are using building thinking classrooms. I also see this online in the Facebook group, in other places, in other social media, and uh, other podcasts. Is really the closeout, right? How do we close out our lessons so that students really are able to take what they need from class? So that's going to be super important when we talk about in this episode, closing the lesson and using those meaningful notes and those check your understanding so students can go from the collective when they're working together on those uh, vertical non-permanent surfaces to the individual. Because at the end of the day, we want them to be taking out the content individually, even though we see them working together and collaborating, which is is, is super important, especially in the world that we're going into, that they have those teamwork skills. Um, but how do we do that so that we give the students an opportunity to experience the mathematics, to have some sort of productive struggle, but then close out the lesson with some meaningful notes, some examples, and some time structured time so students can check their own understanding. So we talk a little bit about that. I really do think you'll enjoy listening to the teachers. Again, they're just some of the greatest, some of the best teachers that I've had a chance to work with over my years in education. So I always like to just be able to check in with them. So uh, without further ado, here is episode two, season two, Teaching That Counts. Thanks for listening, y'all. All right, welcome everybody to building building thinking classrooms. I'm just reading off the book. <laughs> welcome to teaching that counts. I'm here with three wonderful teachers today, and we're following up on our building thinking classrooms work from last year. As we just started a new, well, we didn't just start a new year. We we're about what eight weeks in, and is that what we're about? Tomorrow is September 27th. Okay, so we're that much far in. <laughs> Whatever, however many that weeks that is. And I know 
some um, teachers here started building things in classrooms last year. And this is uh, our first update of the year, see how things are going, what's going well, what are we struggling with, and just kind of having a discussion on, on all that. And I'm really interested to hear uh, Elvis. Elvis Salgado is here with us. And this year you're teaching two different non, well, I, I would say they're non-math classes, but they're, they're kind of non-math classes. And I think that listeners would be interested in knowing how some of these things are working in your classes. So I'm going to let everyone introduce themselves and then let us know what you're teaching this year as we start our discussion. Uh, my name is Sarah Mucha and I teach Accelerated Math 2 at Central Valley High School. My name is Grant McCormick and I teach Integrated Math 1 at Central Valley High School. My name is Alvis Delgado. I teach Data Science, AP Computer Science Principal, and Computer Science Discovery at Sirius High School. All right. Yeah, so I'll get started. And, and, um, and you said data science too, right? Data science, yeah. yeah. That's the first one. Um, so one of the new, new courses I'm teaching is data science. And it's a upper level class. All seniors is, is not what I'm expecting compared to freshmen from last year. I love the class so far. Their kids are great. They're doing their work. Uh, we're using the whiteboards that we have on the on a desk for them to collaborate, elaborate on things. And then we're using a lot of tech in that class as well as they are engaging and comparing or sharing their documents with each other and collaborating. It just goes back and forth in that creating classroom. I still kind of want to build up on the idea. Maybe one week I'm going to remove all my chairs and they come in and they're like, what happened to the chairs? Right, we got robbed. <laughs> so you're going to stand for a whole week until we find these chairs. But we'll see how that goes. And I actually want to move on to something I've been thinking about with my AP Computer Science Principles class. Um, we've been using also the whiteboards with those students. But one of the things that we do at the end of every unit is vocabulary. And we have different forms of game. And this unit coming up for them, they're going to do Pictionary on the whiteboards. Mm. So see how that works based on the vocabulary they, they have learned so far in Unit 2 with the Internet. So That's pretty cool. So... The students in this is AP Computer Science principles, principles yeah. right? So that's that's pretty heavy on vocab of computer science and, and code. Do they do some coding in that? We will start coding hopefully in the next unit uh, or so, but they're going to start developing just like the layout for creating an app and how it needs to be aesthetic for the user. And so that's where we're going to go. And then we'll develop into the coding of what they need in order for things to work the way they work. That's pretty cool. We'll get back to that because I want to... I, I kind of want to pick your brain on how you might use some vertical non-permanent surfaces with coding and what that might look like. So I'll give you a moment to think about that before oh, I ask you that Yeah, question. yeah, I'm definitely thinking about that right now. All right. How are things going with BTC? Start with Grant. Uh, things are going well. I think the biggest difference between uh, this year and last year in terms of an initial struggle was like how I was able to especially like those first three chapters and um and holding kids accountable for like you know working on the vertical non-permanent services and that stuff and like last year I, I didn't start until maybe about that about October um or so and by then I, I had like really knew everyone's name and so I could you know call kids out from across the room if I needed to and, and really hold right. them accountable for that and let, and so um the difference this year is that you know, when when it's starting at the beginning of the year and I don't know all their names yet, and, you know, I started out doing the non-curricular tasks and everything, uh, which was which was good. And I didn't really have any issues there. But the transition towards curricular tasks is like all of a sudden it's not as fun anymore. And then mm. uh, lots lots more opting out and trying to figure out how do I hold them accountable for that. So 
I don't want to sound overly negative here. It's not all that bad. It's just that like I wasn't quite anticipating how much of a struggle that would be because that wasn't where the struggle was last year. Hmm. Yeah, I'd like to chime in on piggyback on that as well. Like, um, I think it was the challenge this year starting with building thinking classrooms was definitely like trying to build relationships at the same time and the class management piece. I felt Mm. like last year, first semester, I had a very like traditional classroom. And so like I was able to memorize names quicker, I felt like. And also they kind of, they knew me. They knew like my rules and all these things. And so now I'm having to try to implement that with the vertical whiteboards. And sometimes I'm feeling like my room is a little chaotic. Mm. Like, I have to rethink the class management piece of it. That's what I'm kind of struggling a little bit with. Or, like, some students, like, not coming in with the same type of vertical whiteboard type work. So this is new for them. And, like, how do I behave if I get to stand up and be by a board, but the teacher wants me to listen um, Hmm. for the consolidation part? Right. So, or, like, having... It's a little hard because they will talk to each other when I want them to during the consolidation. But then when I'm asking for student feedback for a, from like the group as they're, you know, clustered around, they have a hard time. Some some classes have a hard time speaking out. And it's like, but I heard you just say it to your neighbor. Like, that was really good. Like, can you like repeat that one more time? So I'm, that's the part, trying to get them to build the self-confidence. I feel like maybe like last year, since it was a more traditional classroom the first semester, they had more a little more confidence in their skills. So when I switched up the learning environment and how we were doing things, they already had that base of self-confidence. Some of my students don't have that base of self-confidence. So how do I empower them? Hmm. Yeah, we're... Uh this far into the the year and so we would hope i guess that some of that culture in your class was our, was starting to be built um i wonder if at some point and i know it's in the book we talk he talks about non-curricular and curricular task right i wonder if we can always just go back to a non-curricular task here and there so um we start to see kids like stop doing what they're opt out and then bring in a non-curricular task that's a good thinker to kind of maybe reset a little bit to bring that that culture piece back a little bit i don't know if that's going to confuse kids sometimes because they expect like every day is going to be some sort of like i don't know tied to the tied to the unit and then you sort of you are you bring in something like we were looking at today elvis and i were 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 today in a, um, a release day and we were looking at a problem from the quantitative reasoning course that the seniors take. And it was a Euler's uh, bridge or map. It was graph theory, right? Graph theory. And all four of it, there were four teachers in there, all math brains, and we're trying to figure out <laughs> the pattern between odd number, um, the odd number of um, highway connections with the dots and how many towns and and all of those things. And it was a very, I mean, it was a thinker. And at one point, one teacher had said, you know, when we get into the math later, and we talked about how we're actually doing math now, like trying to figure out how these 
towns connect and how the patterns may be um, there and may not be there and how to complete the circuit. And we see these a lot in circuits, right? How do we complete those? Um, all of that discussion was there's a lot of thinking going on. And I wonder if kind of bringing them back, bringing students back to that and then going back to curricular tasks might be helpful. Yeah, to add on to that, just a little comparison with data science. Uh, we do a lot of like graphs. So I'll display a graph onto my desk or my my TV. And students get to analyze the graph based on what they, what they see, what they notice, what do they wonder. And it's pretty neat because they're just given like a minute, two minutes to just analyze that graph. And then I give them a minute to go back and just work with their partners and just kind of share something they notice or wonder. And then they go ahead and discuss it with their whole group of four to six peers in there. And then they have them go ahead and create a board now out of it and say, hey, this is what we wonder and notice. Uh, we analyze, they're analyzing. Um, for example, one of the graphs they were looking at was Steph Curry's uh, free shots from all across the court. Court, court yeah. thank you. Sorry, I don't know. <laughs> across the court, and they they were looking at different places that he's making all these shots. And then we started looking at things where he missed the most, and like this is a professional athlete who's really awesome, and you can see that he's worse at his left side of the court. And so if you're playing Steph Curry, where are you going to push him every single time? To the left. And what are you going to let him do? Well, not let him move forward because we see that he starts getting better if he moves just a step forward too. But if you keep him behind the three-point on to the left, he'll be missing all the time. Or at least he'll be missing. Uh, he will be only be making 23% of the shots, which is a big difference compared to where he's making 50 to 60% of the shots. 23% though from the from your weakest part is yeah. pretty amazing for yeah. Steph Curry, right? Yeah. Um, Maybe you can get him on the podcast. Steph Curry? Yeah. <laughs> Steph Curry, if you're listening to this podcast, I'd love to have you on the podcast. <laughs> I'm, sh I'm sure there's math he can he can talk to us, talk to us We'd about. We'd also love free tickets. <laughs> free. Yeah. I, you know, I used to get free tickets to the Warriors, um, but that was when before they won any champion, like before Steph and, and Clay had won championships. Um, but they, they were fun to go to. Yeah. I took students to them. That's awesome. Yeah, that we can get Steph Curry here. Uh, I think we can get all kids working. Uh, like that's their their uh, the their gift, on right? That day. <laughs> the attendance. We want 100 percent attendance. Right? If district wants attendance incentives, man, <laughs> bring yeah. Steph Curry. Um, yeah, so that that non curricular task is a great one. Or that's actually what um, Joe Bowler calls a data talk, right? Yes, yeah. students getting a chance to look at data and talking about those data in kind of just a free way what's going on and i what i like about data science too again just kind of add on to that it's like students are saying so this is not your typical math class it's not like math one two or three we're analyzing all these things and trying to create stories behind it and it's, it's kind of becoming an english class for myself I'm like wait a minute gotta make sure that i have these perfect paragraphs and they're defining what they mean and it's it's getting a little bit more complex than i thought but i really enjoying the again the class but it's all about what the students want to kind of learn from the graphs itself. Take away. Yeah. Yeah. Another person I'd love to have on the podcast is Joe Bowler mm -hmm. to talk about data science and to talk about all those. I know that she was um, instrumental in the, the new framework, which I think that a lot of the stuff that we've been doing with building thinking classrooms matches some of the things that are talked about in the framework. How do you see, you know, in the framework, we're really looking at trying to build equitable 
engagement among students. Um, how do you see the engagement happening so far this year as compared to previous years? I know we're, we're having some struggle with management. And, we'll, and I have, I'm lucky enough to have Grace Dearborn coming on to the podcast um, in a couple of podcasts. And I'm going to ask her about management, especially as we're doing building thinking classrooms. And um, she's, you know, one of those gurus in management. So I, I'm curious to see what she has to think about that. But in terms of engagement, how are we seeing engagement with students in the class? Um, let me add to that. I'm doing something a little bit different this year. Um, I'm hoping the district doesn't fire me for this, but we'll see. I'll edit it out. <laughs> okay. <if laughs> it's bad. Uh, so one of the things that I'm trying to approach this year is I'm making sure the students get to know more about their culture. So I'm playing more cultural videos in my classroom, even though they do not relate nothing to the content that we're learning that day. Uh, so we'll do some uh, freestyle poetry about their culture or anything they just they, they want to learn about. And... So I'm trying to engage students back into the classroom by by creating these or not creating but showing these videos about their culture and I think that's that's kind of changed the perspective or, or at least the dynamics of my classroom because all these students are engaged and they really want to hear what I have to say. Um, one of the things they asked me, just kind of side note, we started this new thing for my Bulldog blog. It's called Mondes with Salgado, which we pick any topic they want to talk about, and we just talk about. Uh, this past Monday, we just talked about taxes. And this was freshmen to seniors in that class, and they want to know, what are taxes? How do they work? Why do I have to pay taxes? Where does this go? There's fair taxes, government taxes, and local taxes. And and it was pretty fun. And next week, they're like, can we come back for a different talk topic? We want to learn about car insurance. How does that work? Why do I need car insurance? So I thought that's pretty interesting. So I'm looking forward to that. I'm just engaging them based on basic things that we wanted to know more when we were younger, probably. No one told us about it. And I, I'm enjoying the classes because I'm relating with the students, I feel like. this. Year. Yeah. That sounds like you're building relationships with kids in a, in a different way, which... You know, connecting with them is really yeah. important. Um, that's cool. Uh, if people out there that don't know, uh, Bulldog Block, refer to Bulldog Block, that's an inter an intervention period that's embedded yeah. or enrichment that's embedded in the school day. So that I think they get a half an hour. It's about 30, 35 minutes. Is that correct? Correct. 30 to 35 minutes. 35 minutes where students um, either choose where they're going to go for that time to get extra support uh, or teachers flag students to get extra support. Um, or they take it some sort of enrichment, which is, in that case, Mondays with Salgado. Right. <laughs> that's pretty fun. That's pretty cool. I like that. Yeah. yeah. We don't have Bulldog Block. We have intervention teachers. But this year we have, how many? We have four, four. four periods where we have a intervention teacher. And Grant and myself are uh, a part of that group. But, um, and it's been kind of challenging not having um, first and fifth fifth period. Um, I have first and fifth period classes. And so trying to run the intervention and enrichment in the same room has been challenging. Um, but I think I found a hack. <laughs> so I have like half the class that's, or the small group that I'm working with are facing the screen. And then the other kids that are doing enrichment, I physically had them turn their desks. So they're facing the opposite way. So I'm getting like, less voices in one direction because I was mm. feeling like it was getting so loud and I couldn't hear but I didn't want 
I liked that it was getting loud because I felt like they were really engaging with the enrichment activity at the time. Um, but it's really hard to separate those two groups within this classroom. Um, yeah, it, it, it almost seems like a little bit like homogeneous grouping. So those kids that are um, that are ahead can keep moving on or do something that's that's um, it deeper. Is that what kind of deeper mm -hmm. in that? And then other kids are getting what they need at the time. Um, going, cool. going back to the engagement part, though, I do feel like students are starting the tasks and the problems quicker on the vertical whiteboards, as the book has said. But I do feel like students are um, getting more comfortable with explaining the problems to other students in my class or I'll see like this group's done so then that group kind of has collapsed and is walking around the room and they're helping other students so that's like oh, really wow. nice that's to good. see because then I'm like okay that's one less group that I probably need to go over and and redirect that's good yeah I, I'm seeing that as well in terms of what I think was it called like the knowledge mobility um I think is what it was referred to right um where yeah the knowledge is going from group to group and so that's that's not the, the the challenge is that the students that are trying to stand back and and not really engage and, and there's not a lot of them but it's just there's enough of them that i can't you know stay on top of them the whole period and so i am thankful for like the students that um are trying to mobilize the knowledge into other groups but it's like Okay, but you don't just want your friend that's in this group to understand. You really want to make sure you're uh, having that conversation with everyone in the group. And like, here, I want you to I want you to watch me when I have this conversation with this group, and watch mm -hmm. how I make sure that I'm not just talking to one person that you know might be the strongest student, and then uh, dumping that responsibility on them to get the rest of the group caught up. Like, you you have to you have to right. find that balance there, and then hopefully you realize how hard my job actually is here. <laughs> <laughs> That's really cool that you're mo you're you're modeling the cooperation that you want them to do. Like you're modeling the group work, you're modeling that because I think sometimes we 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 tend to think that teenagers just like come in innately knowing how to do things. I know that like with technology, I think some people have this false sense that teenagers just know how to use technology and they still need to be taught how to use technology. Um, and I think that's the same in, in cooperative groups or when they're working on, on um, vertical non-permanent surfaces. How do we get students to learn how to work together? Because really, they're gonna, that's what they're going to need when they leave us. You know, factoring is fine. Graphing, um, you know, a polynomial is great. But if they can't work in a team, then what business is going to want? Let me add them. something for what we've been doing in computer science discovery, which is my intro level class. Um, they've been using the um, vertical whiteboards. And so I have them do projects at least every two weeks. They have a project and they work in groups of two. And then they, some of them are freshmen and I have seniors. Seniors are okay presenting. So are my juniors. My sophomores and freshmen tend to be a little more at the scarce side. Like, do we have to present this? Uh, when I told them they don't have to present, they actually, we just kind of post them around the the classroom and we do a gallery walk and then we then we open it up for other classmates to kind of talk about the poster like well, what's going on here what is this project telling us here and it's so much more than what someone will present and like just a takeaway and like i made this poster i didn't think i 
I would I did that just what people are saying and the students really love that really love that they can actually use the whiteboards and just the markers because they can easily erase and fix mistakes instead of having to just write on a piece of paper as well that's been a big thing too yeah you, you bring up a good point and I believe it's it's in the book it's when we're talking about consolidation right and we're bringing it back to the students um, I know that's different than what we've done in the past in like we ask students to present their own work, but Peter had talked about not having them present their own work. And so you're actually seeing that students are really picking up on what other students are doing and being able to explain that. Is it work that's working well well in, in AP? That's working well in computer science discovery. I haven't done that in principles yet. Okay. Because we have gone into more of academics and it's an AP class so it's it is very engaging the class, to say it the least, but it, we haven't gone into those vertical whiteboards yet with AP, just a couple of things here and there. But Discoveries is really enjoying that because the students are saying, hey, I can erase if I make a mistake and I can easily fix that. Uh, students will catch up on what they think is happening without uh, the other students saying, I wasn't even thinking that, but I really see that what I was going really reflected on what they're saying now. And yeah. So. Okay, so uh, we got about I don't know, about 10 minutes left, and I've got a hard question for you guys. Um, we've talked okay. about how things are going well. Um, engagement, students are up on the boards. Some management things, I'm hoping to get some information from Grace uh, about, about those to help us out with that. But here's a tough question. I've been listening to Peter, uh, and yes, he and I are on a first name basis now. I'm just <laughs> kidding. I know he listens to this, so I hope he's laughing at that. Um, I have been listening to him on some other podcasts and some other um, some other social media. And he's been talking a lot about the importance of the end of the lesson, mm -hmm. the meaningful notes, the and the, the consolidation, the meaningful notes, and the check your understanding. And I was in a classroom and did a lesson. And as I was timing myself, it took me about 20 minutes to get all of those pieces in um, the consolidation, the notes, and then check your understanding. And I'm wondering, as we kind of continue with this, how we can start working towards making sure that students are getting that last bit of stuff, right? Not so much just the exit ticket, because I think exit tickets are great to give us information and data on how students are doing, but meaningful time 10 minutes, five, 10 minutes for them to actually do work individually on the items that they were, or the stuff that they were supposed to take out from that day. So my question for you is, one, have you started doing that work? And two, if not, where do you see being helpful or some struggle to get that in? Because I already have some ideas of what you're going to say, but I'd like to just hear from you on like that piece of the puzzle as we move forward. I'll go ahead and start. I I feel like I've uh, grown in the consolidation part. Like I feel like that part is going a lot better. I'm seeing things around the room that I want to touch on and it's giving me a chance to formalize those things. And then after I've formalized that, then I have them go back to their table and we, we do some notes on this uh, note-taking template. I'm normally asking I'm normally taking a problem that's already on their vertical whiteboard and just placing it on their 
the paper underneath the doc cam, but I'm asking students to give me the steps as I go. So it's not really me being like, okay, this is what we're doing. They're explaining it. Um, the thing that I haven't gotten to is the check your understanding questions in class. Mm-hmm. I have them. They're on Google Classroom. They have an answer key attached, but I haven't been able to give them time in class to work on that. So maybe this week I will try to implement that. Yeah, I found that just a timer on my watch was helpful. But oh, you turned it. You had the page right there. That one, that picture is the, the, the thing I'm thinking about is how do we go from the collective synergy to the individual understanding? And I think the hardest part, and I'm sure you're going to talk about this, the hardest part is fitting everything in. Like, we're so new at this, thin slicing would be, oh, this thin slicing lesson is going to take me 20 minutes. And it takes 30 minutes, like 30 minutes. Like, what do we do? How do we get it down so that way we have meaningful time at the end where students are actually practicing the things that they needed to practice? Um, and that's going to, I think that's going to come with time. Yeah, I, I did a lesson on factoring by grouping and I was able to, um, I, I had them talk about the pattern that they saw with like a, a problem that was full out done. And then I had some like smudge math problems and then, okay, we consolidate. Okay, so this is what we're actually doing. Let's write it down in the notes. Then it's like, I wanted to give them time to practice, but I had them do it on vertical whiteboards. Mm. So I gave them a set of problems for the vertical whiteboards to try. So that way I could see whether they got it or not. And then I had them go back to their seats and take an exit ticket. So that way there was more knowledge mobility is like more ways to check their work. The individual like check your understanding questions. It's I, I think I do need to have that in class um, or give them some time in class. It's just harder for, I guess I'm a little nervous for that because there's going to be some kids that just get right on their phones or they mm-hmm. don't want to practice or like, I got this already. But I guess that's I, that's going to happen regardless, right? There are some kids that are probably don't need the check for understanding questions. They, they've got it from the vertical whiteboards. Yeah. So. And I think that's where the mild, medium, and spicy can come in. Because then you give them mild, medium, and spicy. Where are you going to start? And yeah. hopefully those top kids will take on that spicy. We know that there's some kids that just won't do anything. <laughs> That's how yeah. I've been doing like kind of the review days is I have cards that are mild, medium, spicy. And it's like, okay, go ahead and choose where you guys want to start. Mm-hmm. Um, some kids go straight for that spicy and they're like, wait, how do I do this? I'm like, well, maybe you should think about, maybe look at the next, the the medium one. Couldn't and, handle the heat. Yeah, couldn't <laughs> handle the heat. Can't handle That's spice. perfect. Um, I wanted to add something that we're doing in computer science principles is I actually give students the exit ticket at the beginning of class. Uh, they get to see the questions and being my AP students, they, they know everything, right? They're my advanced students saying they, they think they're ready to move on. They're like, oh, I get this stuff. But it is interesting how we kind of develop this idea as they have to exit ticket question. Some of them start working on it. And I tell them, if you're writing the exit ticket already after your prompts, uh, that's fine. But at the end of the lesson, I want you to pick a different color because it's all tech. Uh, write me what you learn on top of what you already have. Was something that was it was different, was new for you, uh, something that you made a connection with. And surprisingly, everybody has a new connection. Like, this was new. I did not know this. And it's been helping them kind of understand more of the concepts. And I was like, I really like that. And I'm doing this again with uh, data science. They do the same thing. They have the... 
uh, a prompt at the beginning of class, and then they have the extra ticket right at the bottom, and they get to see what they're going to answer by the end of the day, and then let them guide them. Like, I need to know how to answer that question, so I got to make pay attention and understand that this is my learning for today. Yeah, so, yeah, that's that's a very uh, a PBL approach to that, like mm-hmm. problem based or um, project based learning too. Just kind of think about what we want to end up with. Um, that works really well when kids think they know it all too. Yeah. <laughs> I think they're like, oh, I know everything. Well, do you check this out? Yeah. Uh, so I have to say though, uh, I've been, I've had an opportunity to go around the district and I think there's just some really awesome work being done. I know the three of you joined me today for this podcast, but I know that there are quite a few more members in your team over at Sirius high school, your team at CV that are doing building thinking classrooms that are really exploring this is our first year and or really the second year and I think the culture that's starting to be built in our teams has been um, it's just been pretty awesome to see and every time I get a chance to visit some classrooms kids are working kids are doing math and when they're not in here and you kind of come in right after a class it really looked like you can see math was done and that's the part I love about the vertical non-permanent surfaces that you can see that math was done in this class. There's no question. There, it's up on the boards. We're gonna meet, if you can, meet again in about January. I'd love to kind of pick your brain again on how things have gone for the whole semester as we've gone through a whole semester of math and material and how things are going kind of like a checkpoint. And I think everybody would love to hear from you guys. So any final thoughts today as you, we're end of September, Coming through, I know once we get into October, people get tired. October mm-hmm. is a tough month. Um, but uh, how are you feeling otherwise? I'm feeling good about going going forward. Again, I, a lot of the things that I feel like that maybe, oh, I, this is a little bit different doing it with new students compared to students that I already had that relationship. A lot of those things, I, I do feel like in some capacity, I do know what the answers to are like. I'm um, thinking in terms of like accountability, I'm thinking, oh, there's the chapter on evaluate what you value and then uh, yeah. sending that message to the kids that, hey, you're, you're being assessed on this. And because um, I, I, I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm feeling like I'm getting a lot of questions about is this graded right now? And um, I, I've had a sub a couple of times in the last week. And so was that graded? And, you know, that's a whole nother conversation. Mm-hmm. But um, <laughs> but yeah. And, but then I don't know. Well, which, which toolkits is the evaluate you what you value in? Is it, am I going to be dipping into that too soon? I know this is the optimal value. This is sacred. Do I do I try deviating from that or do I just do it for a little bit just to kind of Okay, address this for now and then keep moving forward. Yeah. So my final thoughts for today is um, I have the thinking classroom or thinking space expectations on my desk. Um, and each group has an idea what to expect and what I'm expecting from them. Um, one of the things is the random groups. And we do this every week, every Monday. We get new seats and students are fighting me on it. But I'm hoping they're, they're engaging more on their learning too because – they're no longer with their friends or maybe they see someone who does it they're a little bit different than others so yeah and all of that work that you're doing with their culture yeah. and building culture and uh, empathy with other people in your class yeah that's great um my final thoughts would just be implementing the building thinking classrooms has made me a happier teacher ah, um that's I, awesome. I feel like i'm accomplishing 
Well, I'm accomplishing more on my prep period because I don't share prep with anyone in my department. Everyone is teaching, so no one's really like popping in. So uh, I have like very focused time during my prep period, but I feel like thin slicing the lessons and like creating these problems, it has cut the workload down. Also, no homework assignments for me. Yes, there's the check your understanding questions, but I'm not grading those. And then, you know, their grade is a, a performance task and a, a, an assessment. The performance task is done in right now. They're doing that in um, random groups of two. And so that's half the papers that I have to grade because it's just one mm-hmm, paper. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I feel like the work-life balance is a little bit better this year. That's and great. I'm I'm thanking the book, and I'm also thanking Abel for oh, that. Oh, that's <laughs> awesome. I, I, you know, I love that. Love to hear that that work-life balance is, is better. Um, and then on, just one thing that, that you were saying, Sarah, that um, students take time, especially if they're new to this, they take time understanding how to go from accountability to now requiring responsibility. And by doing those check your understanding and saying, look, it is your responsibility to check your understanding at home. The solutions are there. The answers are there. That's your responsibility to do that. Then we're getting into, like you said, you might have less students doing it, but more students are doing it for the right reasons. And those students that aren't doing it and not seeing success, they're going to struggle, not just with the content, but they're going to struggle learning how to be good students for themselves. And so... I just I'd like to to hopefully see how that goes with with students. I know it's a it's a tough transition. This is a great conversation. I hope that a lot of people get a lot of great stuff out of it. Um, I just always love being able to to talk to you guys and edit these and see how many ums I actually say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I know it's it's quite a few for myself. I actually can't wait to share this podcast with my seniors this year. So I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, uh, go viral. Let's yeah. try to make my podcast go viral. Yeah. <laughs> share it with yeah. your seniors, share it with uh, um, your socials. Um, thank you again for joining me and uh, we'll talk to everyone soon. Hey.